Father, we thank you and praise you for this morning. And we know according to your word, these days must come upon us or upon the church prior to your son's return. So we're not surprised. We're not surprised, Lord. It grieves us. It grieves us to see our country going this way as it grieves your Holy Spirit. So through that grieving process, help us not to get angry, mad, vengeful, but help us to pray for the lost and for those that are passing such bizarre ordinances. It's just bizarre. Father, help us to be faithful ambassadors for truth and to speak the truth in love, that you love every single person. You love people that are passing the ordinances. They just don't realize it yet. So, Father, help us, to, if, we, if that's our sphere of influence, to be that ambassador, to help wake them up, to show them that God loves them, that God has a perfect plan. Father, I pray for the gift of teaching this morning as we open up your word. We thank you for the freedoms we still have. We don't know how long this is going to last. But we do thank you for now. And we just ask your blessing upon it. I pray for the gift of teaching and that every heart would be receptive to your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we're going to start in Psalm 120, but we're going to look at the next 15 psalms. You see, the next 15 psalms are songs create a hymnal within a hymnal. Remember, we have five hymnals within the psalms, and we're in the last. We're in hymnal number five. Well, these next 15 create a hymnal within a hymnal. And they would be sung by those pilgrims heading to Jerusalem for one of their three major feasts. Passover, which happens in the spring, Pentecost in the early summer, and Tabernacles, which happen in the fall. So as we go over these next 15 Psalms, you want to get that, that mental picture. These are people that are coming from great distance or maybe just a few miles away, but they would sing these songs as they are, as they are approaching Jerusalem, as they're approaching these feasts to prepare their hearts for what's going to take place at these feasts. It's kind of like Americans do. When we're going someone, we sing those very popular songs, right? Row, row, row your boat gently down the street. After two courses, that's it. Okay, quiet. You're done. I'm done. I'm done. That's enough. Or how about the song that never ends? Have you guys ever heard about that song that never ends? It never ends. And when I was a kid, I don't know if you remember this song or not, we had the hundred bottles of beer on the wall. Hundred bottles of beer. Take one down. Pass it around. Ninety-nine bottles of beer on the wall. Ninety-nine. But they let us sing it. The bus driver didn't say, hey, you can't sing that song. Try singing a Christian song on a school bus today and see what happens. <laughs> but the idea here is 15 songs to prepare their hearts for where they're going. Unfortunately, we don't have that in our culture as a whole, unfortunately. So even today, as the Jewish people are persecuted, and this is important, this is why I bring this up. Because guys, even this past week, I don't know if you realized it or not, but the supreme leader and the president of Iran said that Israel is a cancerous tumor, a cancerous tumor that needs to be eliminated. He spoke before the Arab, all the Arab countries that got together. This is reality, guys. You guys know what happened just a, a few weeks ago in Pittsburgh, going into a synagogue and killing Jews. This is not something done, isolated case. This is bubbling, and it's happening in our society, and in Europe especially, where the Muslims are overtaking Europe. Crime and anti-Semitism has risen 
it's gone through the, the, the roof in the last 10 years. We got to wake up, guys. This is real. And so as we look at these psalms, we want to remember these are songs. Songs to prepare the heart. These aren't bad people. These aren't bad people that need to be eliminated. They're people that need Jesus. And how can you and I reach even these people and even those that want to kill the Jews or the blacks or whatever else is out there that's going on that we know is going on in America? We have to be prepared because we are the ambassadors for Christ. Well, they also call these songs the songs of degrees, ascents, or the pilgrim songs, but also carry the idea of ascending steps. You see, as well as, well as heading towards Jerusalem for the feast, these songs would tie in perfectly with the southern steps found in the temple area even today. And for those of you who have been to Israel, your mind is now going back to those southern steps. For those of you who haven't been there, you can go on Google and you can see these steps. They are the original steps that Jesus walked on, the disciples walked on. They are original for sure. They have unearthed the ceremonial baths just down below the southern steps where people would be washed and cleansed before they went into the temple area. It's all there for us to see. So as they would ascend these steps, they could actually be singing these songs in their minds, in their hearts, maybe out loud. But again, it's preparing their heart for what they're going to be doing. We're going to be going up on the temple mount to the temple area where God resides. Now, we know better, obviously. God resides in our heart. And we don't have to go through steps. We don't have to go through songs. But unfortunately, I think what happens in our lives is we've now done the other extreme where we just approach God with a, hey, buddy, what's going on today? How you doing, man? Mentality. Very, very little reverence or very little respect. So we got to be careful of either extreme, but finding that balance. We'll see that four of these Psalms were written by David, one by Solomon, and the rest are unknown. By singing these songs on the way to Jerusalem or ascending steps, again, it would help them to focus upon the good as well as the bad times Israel had experienced. Why? Because God was always seeking after them, even today. God is always seeking after the unbeliever. No one will ever be able to say, I didn't know God. I didn't have an opportunity chance to know God. God speaks to every single person, the Bible says, in their language. He's reaching out to them. But they were not always seeking after hymns, thinking of these Psalms and where they're coming from. Remember, after the Babylon captivity, they're heading back to Israel. That's when this hymnal book was compiled. So even as we sing these songs, they were written David's time, they were, they were sung during various times, but they were brought together as a collection after the Babylonian captivity. We'll see these three overriding themes in these next 15 songs. Affliction, deliverance, and blessing. So as we look at the various psalm, think of those three overriding themes. Afflictions, deliverance, and blessings. And one final thought, you may have heard this, any time a person approaches Jerusalem, even to this day, even to this day, they are always going up to Jerusalem, up to Jerusalem, because Jerusalem is surrounded by valleys. So it doesn't matter what height you came from, the Mount Hermon, 10,000 feet, it doesn't matter. When you go to Jerusalem, you have to go down into a valley to come back up to Jerusalem. So if you've ever heard that phrase, that's what that means. All right, Psalm 120, a song of ascents. And you'll notice that 
Every psalm that we're going to do, the next 15, starts out with that same phrase, a song of ascents. We're heading to Jerusalem. Let's get our hearts right. We're heading to the Temple Mount. Let's get our hearts right. In my distress, I cried to the Lord, and he heard me. Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. Here's a psalm of afflictions and shows the unfortunate aspect of this life. You see, the enemies of our souls, spiritual as well as physical, they're out there, and they will do whatever it takes to make life miserable. See, Jesus taught his disciples in John 16, 33, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. This is key to what I just mentioned about Arizona. In the world, you will have tribulation. And we're seeing this coming more and more upon the American church. It's on other, it's on other believers already in the world. We've been spared for many, many, many centuries, but it's coming more and more upon us. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That's what we got to stay focused on. Not the Constitution, on the Bible, on the Bible. Also, trials will come into our lives, physical as well as spiritual. Here's the key. It is how we handle them. Guys, you know, as a believer, people are watching you. Even if you don't know this, I'm, I'm telling you right now, they are, so now you know it. People are watching you. They're not, they're watching you for what? How you handle the trial. How do you, as a believer, handle your being laid off differently than I do being laid off? Let me see the difference. How do you handle your spouse getting diagnosed with cancer versus my spouse being diagnosed with cancer. Guys, this is very, very practical and applicable as we read the Psalms. How we handle our afflictions should be diametrically opposed to how the world handles their afflictions. Because the world will typically handle their afflictions through isolation and separation, drugs, alcohol, numbing the senses. We have to show them there's a better way. Initially, yes, the shock were the same. But after the shock, after the tears, this is what we do as believers. Guys, they need to see that. They need to see that. And the first thing to do in times of distress is what the psalmist shows us. In my distress. Notice personal there. In my distress, I cried to the Lord. The third, first thing that you and I need to do is we need to pray Because the Heavenly Father clearly hears our petitions and he knows how to answer them accordingly. You see, in this case, there were those who were lying about the psalmist, as we're going to see in the psalmist. They were attempting to make his life miserable. This is this article right here. If you don't think this is applicable, these ladies are being told that you're homophobiac, you're a bigot, You don't love people. You're bad. You're bad and you put it under the Bible. You you hide behind your Christian faith. You're just a bad person and you need to be reprogrammed. You need to be reprogrammed. This is real, guys. This is reality. This is our children and grandchildren or maybe you're old enough to see your grandchildren being now forced into this mentality. Not asked to be a part of it forced into this mentality. So we have to, you have to, we have to take a stand. 
You see, often when times of distress come, we run to others, as I've already mentioned, or do some kind of other stimulant to distract our senses from what's taking place. But then the effects wear off, the distress is still there. You see, it's way better to let God address the situation and allow him to carry you through the trial. Even when those around you are lying about you, just stand in the truth. This is so key. And continue to walk in the truth. You just got to block it out. Walk in the truth, for the truth has, as Jesus said, and will continue to set you free. Just walk in the truth. Put your head down and say, I'm going to love people and I'm just going to keep walking in the truth. You will find yourself growing in your walk with the Lord and your personal testimony will deepen. The trial will become a triumph and the enemy will have to leave in defeat. But you and I, we have to make that choice. Verses 3 through 5. The psalmist knew that God would take care of his enemies. As he says, what shall be given to you or what shall be done to you, you false tongue? So that's speaking to God, speaking to the liar. Sharp arrows of a warrior with coals of the broom tree. Woe is me that I dwell in Meshach, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. This might be a little confusing, so let's break it down. The Lord was his defense, and so he knew that one day his enemies would be saying, Whoa, modern day vernacular, uh uh-oh. Or another one might be, oh boy, that's going to leave a mark. You see, Meshach was a Gentile nation to the northwest of Israel, and Kedar was a descendant of Ishmael, and their tribes were located to the southeast of Israel. Both of these nations were enemies of the Israelites and so lying about the psalmist was no big deal to them because God knew the truth. Verses 6 and 7, My soul has dwelt too long with one who hates peace. I am for peace. But when I speak, they are for war. Does this sound familiar at all? You see, sometimes it just seems like it's never going to end. The psalmist was pursuing peace, but the enemy would have nothing to do with it. Romans 12, 12, 18 says this. If it is possible, this is for you and me as believers. If it is possible, as much as depends on you as the believer, live peaceably with all men. In other words, we have to go to work. We have neighbors. We have family members. We might not like them. We might not like what they say. We might not like to hear them. But if they can live peaceably with me, I'm to remain there. I'm to be that light. I'm to be that example. But we may have to take other situations in hand. If they're verbally, physically attacking us, we have a right to defend ourselves, even according to the Bible. Again, when I say right, I'm not talking about constitution. I'm talking about the word of God. We have a right to defend ourselves and we have a right to create healthy boundaries in our lives. But in speaking of the psalm here, this is a classic example of the nation of Israel and those nations that surrounded them that were seeking after the destruction then, even then. But even to this day, Israel has offered land for peace. For many of you saints, you're older, you know with Yasser Arafat and other heads from the Palestinians, that over the last few decades, they've been offered much of their country, but they refuse to accept it unless it is 100% 
all of the land given back to the Palestinians. Not some, all of the land, all of the land. And that's why to this day, the Palestinians will not, Hamas, Hezbollah, will not acknowledge that, that Israel even exists. They will not acknowledge to this day that Israel is a nation. That is a fact. No matter what the United Nations says, that is a fact. They will not acknowledge Israel exists. Get a map in the Palestinian territory. You will not find in their history books today, you will not find Israel on their map in their history books. It does not exist in their mind. So guys, this is what we're dealing with as, as brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to reach people for Jesus. I think we as Christians have been seeing the same thing take place. The more we stand up for the Bible and its absolute stance against sin, the more the enemy accuses us of being divisive, offensive, hateful, and the like. The lies will increase as we see more ungodliness increase. If we take a stand, we will have to endure persecution. And that will even come from within the church even. Let's look at Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And if you're new or visiting and you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles in the chairs below you, in front of you, just down, look down on the, the little rack. We encourage you to follow along in the Bible. The team always does a great job of putting slides up so you can find it. You might think, well, I'm not familiar with the Bible. That little white cross tells you in the Bible where to look. It lists books before and after. So uh, Matthew 5, 8 says, Jesus speaking to his disciples, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Guys, we just got to stay pure. Even though the government may be coming against us, we got to pray for what? Romans 13, pray for those who are in authority. Peter says to pray for those who are in authority. Paul, pray for those who are in authority. Who are, who are ruling over them at that time? Caesar Nero. That guy was a nut. And what are these disciples saying? Pray for the nut. Pray for the nut. Matter of fact, if you've been doing your daily reading, um, and, and I think it's in Thessalonians, I'm not sure if I'm going to find it right away, but Paul makes this comment about say hello to the brethren in Caesar's household. Say hello to the brethren in Caesar's household. How did the brethren, how did they become brethren in Caesar's household? By Paul being chained to guards, and guards going and spreading the gospel, and Paul possibly even getting an audience with these people. And I personally believe that Paul had an audience with Caesar. And that's probably what drove him mad, because he had to realize there is a God, there is a Lord, and I'm not him. So guys, you and I, we have a very, very important role to play. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called sons of God. So for you and me, again, this is just reality. How many Christians are stockpiling guns and ammunition and food? Like why, going back to Y2K, which is coming up on 19 years ago? I think some people are still eating the beans they've got from 20, 19 years ago. No, nothing wrong with a gun. I got them. Just don't plan on opening the door and shooting a policeman that comes and says the government tells you you have to turn your guns in. No, no. You can have them. They're yours. By the way, do you know Jesus? Because things are coming down. And you better know Jesus. Police state is not a good place to be. Verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for being idiots. No. 
for righteousness sake, guys. How do we be persecuted for, for righteousness sake? Not by self-righteous. By being right because God is right. And I'm just standing on God's side. I love you enough to tell you this, and I'm just going to stand on God's side. Fine, you don't like me. You don't like what I'm saying. But you know what? I love you. God loves you. Persecute me. I'm, I'm just trying to be right for right's sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Is that becoming more and more applicable in America in 2018? Yes. So when the people say the Bible isn't applicable, it's not practical, read your Bible. Young people, know your Bible. Read your Bible. When you take a stand for being righteous, again, not self-righteous, just being righteous, doing what's right in the eyes of God, you're going to be falsely accused. Jesus was falsely accused. You will as well. Rejoice, verse says. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. This earth is passing away. Store up the beans. You're going to die and leave them to somebody else. And the beans will eventually die as well. What are you storing up for God in heaven? you got to get that mind frame. What are you storing up for God? I'm just talking from a personal aspect. I had a guy in 1999, just popped into my head, that called me on the phone and chewed me out and our senior pastor out for not warning the flock about Y2K. Now, we talked about it, and our senior pastor talked about it. But he didn't run around in fear and tell everybody to collect beans. He said, yeah, you want to store up some water? Store up some water. You want to store up some food? Store up some food. If something happens, get ready to share. That's what it's all about. But a Christian, a Christian was chewing me out. So guys, this is real that I'm talking to you about. This isn't, you know, fantasy. This is real. This stuff happens. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And they persecuted the disciples. And they're persecuting Christians today. And they will persecute you and me. Rejoice. Not because you're being an idiot. None of that nonsense. No, you're doing it out of love. You're doing it the right way. You're doing it with grace, mercy, and compassion. And you get persecuted. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Not like the Mormons when they leave and go, Oh, I'm so happy you persecuted me. I'd say to them, I didn't persecute you. I'm telling you the truth. Don't take that as a, Oh, woe is me. No, 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 no. They're, They're not even close. So for you and me, as we do it right, with grace, mercy, love, and we get slammed for it, rejoice. Just rejoice. Say, thank you, God, for allowing me to be persecuted for you. Psalm 121. This next psalm moves from affliction to deliverance. Deliverance. God is the protector of the psalmist. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. You see, the psalmist acknowledges that the God who made heaven and earth will be able to protect him. Now think about this. Think about this psalm here. Hills, interesting enough, is where the nation as a whole fell into idolatry. As you read your Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you're going to get to those verses where the northern tribes left the southern tribes with Jeroboam. And Jeroboam created two altars. 
one in the very, very north of Israel and one in the south of Israel before going into Judah. And he told all those ten tribes, these, these are the gods that you will worship. You will no longer need to go down to Jerusalem, to the temple. These are the gods. And then those ten tribes started putting gods all over the hills, the hills to go and create false worship. Well, in 1 Kings 14, we read this. Now Judah, after Israel was, the ten tribes were taken off the land, Judah should have learned, but what did the two southern tribes do that had the temple? Now Judah did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they provoked him to jealousy with their sins which they committed, more than all that their fathers had done. Notice that. Jim, just go back that that side. Notice that last part there. More than all that the ten tribes had done. Oh, you think you guys are good idol worshipers? We're going to show you wrong. We got the temple. And they actually brought idols into the temple. And worshipped idols in the temple as well as... Next slide. For they also built themselves high places, sacred pillars, and wooden images on every high hill and under every green tree. So what does the psalmist say? From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord. Remember, this is after, after the Babylonian captivity. They've learned a lesson. The false gods that we put throughout all of Israel, they were of no help. The Assyrians took our brethren away. Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon, took us away. What good were those false idols? No, I'm going to look to the hills. It'd be kind of like us going to the Grand Canyon, which many in Arizona have never been to the Grand Canyon. If you haven't been, you need to go. It's phenomenal, especially sunrise and sunset. But you just go and you step back and you go, wow, this is unbelievable. God created the heavens and the earth. And if this was created during the flood, we don't know for sure, most likely was, whenever it was created, bottom line is, God created it. And you just look at this, you go, could God help me? This tiny little speck on the top of this huge canyon. Can God help me? It'd be the same thing. We can just go to the Grand Canyon. God, I'm going to look to you. It's not the Grand Canyon that's going to help me. He is not saying the hills are going to help me. He is saying the one who made the hills. No more false idols. No more evolution. It's creation. And God, I'm looking to you. You are the one who is going to help me. And I need your help today. And he is always available. He will not allow your foot to be moved, verses 3 through 5. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. You see, the psalmist knew that God would take care of his enemies. I already mentioned that. So, I'm sorry, verses 6 and 7. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil, shall preserve your soul. Soul is key there. Soul is key there. Because sometimes it seems like it's uh, never going to end. The psalmist was pursuing peace. Am I reading the same things again? I am. Hello. Let's get with the program here, Jim. Turn the page. We'll edit that out of the tape. Matt. <laughs> Let's go back to verse 3 and 4. Got ahead of myself. Sorry. 
He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he keeps Israel from neither slumber nor sleep. Uh, let's look at 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. We get this phenomenal story. And we see what was happening to the northern tribes of Israel, as I just mentioned. 1 Kings 18 so they took the bull that was given them and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning and even until noon, saying, O Baal, or Baal, however you like to pronounce it, hear us. But there was no voice. No one answered. And they leaped about the altar which they had made. So it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and cried and said, cried, cry aloud. For he is a God. Notice little g. Either he is meditating or he is busy or he is on a journey or perhaps he is sleeping and must be awakened. Elijah was making a point. You're serving a false God and you most of you know the story. If not, go back today and read the whole story because the man-made gods of this earth are limited just like the people who make them. We need sleep It is a part of our body's healthy balance. And we can cause problems for ourselves by not getting enough or by getting too much sleep. But God is outside of our time realm and sleep is not an issue for him. And while a believer sleeps, this is so important, the Holy Spirit is at work in the hearts of mankind. How often do we go to bed worrying about something and then when the next day comes... What we were worrying about is not even an issue. It's because the Holy Spirit has been at work even during the night. So my help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. And if I truly believe in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, then it would that would make it impossible for God not to help me. He who keeps, those those words there, he who keeps in verse 3, the middle of verse 3 there, it means to hedge about as with thorns, to guard, to protect. To hedge about, to guard, to protect. Now verses 5 through 8. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. So again, soul is important there. You see, the sun and moon shows us that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, God has his eye upon us as believers. And the right hand is symbolic, as most of you know, is strength. And God's strength will sustain us through whatever this life may bring against us. Let's look at Luke chapter 22. Jesus said that it rains on the just and the unjust. So as believers, it doesn't mean that nothing physically bad will happen to us. And when you read verses like this, it can be a little bit confusing. You have to keep looking at the big picture. Problems can happen to any one of us as believers. But it is God who will bring us through those problems, guaranteed. Our soul, our soul. Maybe not physically. There are believers at 9-11. Believers die every day, horrendous deaths sometimes. Luke 22 says this, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, Indeed, Satan asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But, you might want to highlight this in your Bible. (laughs) There's nobody better right here. 
but I have prayed for you. Again, this past week in ministering to this gentleman coming out of Catholicism, this just blew his mind to read verses and read Hebrews. You mean I don't have to pray to Mary or Joseph or St. Anthony for losing something or bury a statue upside down to sell my house? Uh, no, no. You just go directly to the Father by Jesus. That your faith should not fail. Notice that. Your faith, the soul. And that when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Guys, as we stay focused on the Lord, he's able to keep us from all evil and the evil one. That's what I get out of those verses. Because if you think about this, whoever wrote this was living in a day and age where King David lost men in battle, Solomon lost men, Israel lost men. So it's not, it wasn't a matter of life and death. You're never going to die. Everybody's going to die natural causes because God's your God. No. The soul. The soul, my Christianity, my faith in God. God is going to keep me there for you and for me. So it's important for you and me as we read over these words to keep going back to say, I'm going to trust in God. And sometimes when I hear someone say, you know, what a tragedy. That person died so young. What a tragedy. And obviously I want to know, well, did they know Jesus? Yes, they knew Jesus. Then it wasn't a tragedy. It was a blessing. And yes, we need to grieve on this side. But it was no tragedy. Where do you think they are? And right now this just popped into my mind of a, a young man who was, uh, I think he was 20, 21. He was coming down, I think it was Ellsworth when they were doing a bunch of building and he lost control of his car, went across, hit a woman head on, and he was killed instantly. 21. Uh, she survived and so forth. So we went and visited her and we had the memorial service and I, I presented the gospel and I don't remember the exact number, but it was in the teens of people that received Christ that day at his memorial service. And people were getting up and say, what a tragedy died so young. What a tragedy died so young. No, what a blessing. His friends came to know Jesus and, and some of his friends, I remember this cause I don't like Facebook. But his friends came up and said, you know what? We knew he was a Christian by what he put on his Facebook. By his social media, we knew that he loved Jesus. And I want that relationship. Tragedy? No. He's in heaven rejoicing. Blessing. Blessing. Father, we thank you for those things that come into our lives that the world will tell us is a tragedy. But according to your word, you allow things to come into our lives, just like Job You allow things to come into our lives that we might look to you. That we might proclaim that you are the one. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. And that you work all things together for the good. Even what the world would call a tragedy, you turn it into a blessing when we focus on you and your ways. Lord, we thank you for these pilgrim songs these songs of a sense. Lord, help us to debug our program and reprogram our minds that maybe when we're traveling, we'll have on praise music, we'll be talking about the Bible with our kids or grandkids, we'll be singing other fun songs as well, but we'll really be bringing you to the center of that trip. That you would be glorified, Lord, in all aspects of our lives as we go to have fun. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful season that we every year celebrate your son's birth. Lord, as we cross paths with unbelievers, and they are going to predominantly be unbelievers, may we wish them a Merry Christmas. May we just take that that 
five seconds, ten seconds, to say Jesus is the reason for the season. Father, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. When we all stand, guys. I, I found something interesting this past week, too. I don't know if you guys noticed it or not, but we had Black Friday, right? Or was it Black Friday? Yeah, yeah, Black Friday. And then what do we have? Cyber Monday. Now, after all, after you spend all your money, what is Tuesday? Did you guys get any emails? Giving Tuesday. Tuesday. Giving away all your money. Oh, by the way, feel free to give to a charity. I think next week it needs to be Giving Wednesday before the day of Thanksgiving. Giving Wednesday and then Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Let's see what happens. God is good. If you need prayer, come on up, guys. We'd love to pray for you. Have a blessed day. Do you make time for me? I can't understand.